previously on Poldark, George, still a little crazy over losing his wife, got a new doctor and Dr. Dwight who used his empathy to sort of get him out of his funk, which just so happened to coincide with a riot involving the miners at Wheel Plenty. So he came to, reopened the mine, got everybody their job back, and it seemed like things were kind of calming down. Let's see if they stay calm or if they ramp back into the craziness that we're used to with Poldark. This week on the Lords of Grantham podcast. Look at me now. Look at me now. Oh. I'm getting paper. Look at me now. Oh. Look at me now. And we are back. Once again, we are over the halfway mark of season five of Poldark. How's it going, Corey? It's going, Dave. How about you? It's cold again in Connecticut. It's snowy again. I feel like I thought we were done with this, but I guess not. But otherwise, it's good. Yeah. When you get snow, it just gets wet down here because New York is just a little bit warmer. So, yeah. well, icky outside. That's, that's life. Well, any news on the fronts of our programs? Um, not necessarily the programs. There's just one piece that came out about the High Clear Castle uh, today on the BBC News. Uh, it's that Highclere Castle, the setting for TV's Down Abbey, has mothballed parts of its business amid staff shortages. Its owner blames on Brexit. So, according to Lady Carnarvon, uh, they've had to stop holding weddings of any substantial size because of Brexit. Uh, well, didn't didn't we report on this earlier? We did but- report on something like that. But they didn't blame Brexit at that point. If I no, this was correctly. just a, a, a new article t- today. Uh, so that's why it was circulating again. But we did touch on this earlier. But they they said like if they were to hold a wedding, it would have to be like a small smaller party. Uh, it can't be upwards of a hundred people just because they can't get the staff to to help out with that. There's just a shortage in workers. Um, and that's just facing all of Britain right now since they've left the European Union. There's been a shortage in manufacturing, construction, logistics, uh, because of eligibility rules around work visas. That sounds great. Uh, yeah. It says that eligibility rules for work visas have been relaxed in a range of professions, but the list does not include the hospitality sector. So, yeah. she also, Lady Carnival said that the Castle Gift Shop has lost about a third of its business after it stopped shipping to the EU amid increased carrier costs and paperwork. Uh, and then there's been other estate revenues, such as the export of horse feeds, that have also fallen because there's so much red t- tape around that area. Okay. Uh, that's uh, the one silver lining stuff. is, yeah, they do expect to break even though this year, because uh, Lady Carnarvon did point out that she is optimistic about new revenue streams, including the High Clear branded gin, which is selling in the U.S. for forty-two dollars a bottle, and thirty-five pounds. It's in the beginning; it's nascent, but it's a business which, using our brand, can generate revenue to support us, hopefully in the new in the future. So, that's great press for our boy. Our, our friends, I shouldn't say our boy. We just know Adam the best, but uh, yep. our, our crew over there that we hold so near and dear to our hearts. But it's so a real it shame. Like if, if we want to keep this uh, if High Clear Castle in business, just got to keep knocking back some bottles there of High Clear Castle gin. Yeah, got to keep drinking those Lord, Lord Grantham cocktails that they put on their Instagram. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Drink what we drink. But that's all that's going on was, you know, that semi old news, 
you know, new news because they talked about it today. Nothing yeah, else. Yeah, everything is, really is going new on. news when it's in the news. Mm-hmm. I did see an ad for a new FX uh, network adaptation of Great Expectations. I don't know if that piques anyone's interest. It stars Olivia Coleman. I don't know if people want us to listen or watch, rather, Great Expectations that's coming out in April with Olivia Coleman. But hey, just saying. Huh. It's a period drama. Yeah, Charles if Dickens, you're listening y'all. to this, and we, we, people did like uh, the Gilded Age in the moment coverage, so this would be something for us to do. Or some people are saying, we don't like that book. We don't want you to talk about that TV show. That's fine, too. Yeah, we, you know, we like Olivia Coleman. But we do know people like the book series Poldark, and even more the show, it seems like. <laughs> and we are yeah, on. I was like, do we know that people like the books? Yeah, I don't know. Have they even read it? Do they even know it's based on a book series? I don't know, but it is season five, episode five for us, Dave. Uh huh. We're on the cliffs. We again start with a view of the water from the cliffs, but a little a somber view of the water, not a not a welcoming, joyous view of the water that we usually get. You know, it seems pretty accurate considering how gray and rainy it can be over there in Great yeah, Britain. Definitely. So it's about time they we find they, we find out that it's Christmas. So. Well, that's maybe that may be why it's that time of year, mm-hmm. and they really don't touch on it being Christmas for the rest of the episode at all. <laughs> no, it's like, well, here we are enjoying Christmas, and I was looking at this table, and it's like a murderer's row of of our favorite characters, and then before we know it, they're split up. I thought we were going to get a Christmas episode, and yeah, it didn't work out that way. Yeah, by the end of the episode, I totally forgot it was a, a Christmas episode, or it started as a Christmas episode. And you know why, Dave? Why? Because everyone is miserable in this episode. There, there, it was, it was hard coming up with a upside for the power rankings because a lot of people in this episode, they're just going through, going through it. You know, they're going through the motions. Yeah. Uh, so where do we want to start? Who, whose motions do we want to start going through first? Hmm. Drake, uh, Drake Morwenna. Sure. Pretty straightforward, but I think a pretty important. Uh, set of motions that ends in some potentially good motions okay uh morena she's still creeping she's still checking on her her boy john conan from time to time mm-hmm. but now she's like hugging him yeah and going imagine Squeezing the one thing him. that i i really don't get about this subplot is she's trusting a child she's like hey please thank you for keeping our meetings a secret it's like asking like a, a two-year-old to keep a secret. How does a two-year-old know what, the importance of a secret? Yeah, how deep in trouble can she get in if he were to let the secret out? I mean, in fairness, is also a toddler, so he could just easily be like, a, I, I talked to a girl outside today, and they could think she's talking to a tree or a, a frog or something like that. So, Is he a toddler? I mean, she, I mean he's definitely not like... He's, he's, he's under a child. Th- under three. Sure. So know, yeah, with the ages he's the a toddler, a toddler. Or, yeah, I don't know exactly when you transition from toddler to small child. He's a small. He's a. He's not going to classes, so he's younger than than like Valentine and that crew. That's fair. Even though but I thought he wasn't. Yeah, I guess the toddler is two to three years old, so I guess he 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 would be a toddler. He's toddling. He's out there toddling. <laughs> he's up there toddling, and Morwen is more than happy to toddle back. Um. And Drake and, and, is, is is like ten feet behind. Yeah, he's shadowing her, saying like, "That's a toddler. You don't do that with a toddler." No, 
He's like Chris it, Hansen. He just walks out from behind the corner. He's like, now what exactly were you doing here, Morwenna? You a had seat. a private meeting with a two-and-a-half-year-old boy. I know it's your son, but all the same. Um, but Drake decides to take things into his own hand. He, he senses this is getting worse and worse, and she's not going to be able to kind of free herself from the situation she's got herself in of being attached to this child. Yeah, and I think we, we see this side of Drake that we haven't seen for a while, where mm-hmm. he's he's kind of reckless and and emotional. We saw yep. it when he helped. He jumped to help Ross save Dr. Dwight and uh, that guy in France. And I think we see it again here where he, he goes and he's like, I'm taking matters into my own hand. I'm taking that... I'm taking the boy. Mm-hmm. And he gets some no no struggle. What do you mean, getting the boy? Yeah, there's just no problem. Whoa, 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 just hold on, you're, you're jumping over an entire scene here where he actually knocks on the door to oh, talk yeah, to yeah. Lady Whitworth. Jeez, man, come on. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sorry. For, that was a good scene, though. It's not, not good enough for you to remember, it seems like. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm, I got my eyes on the prize, and that's getting the boy. Okay, all right. But yeah, he, he knocks three times. <clears throat> and he kind of talks to, uh, to Lady Whitworth in a roundabout way where he asks her, how do you feel about your child being deprived of a mother th- figure? <laughs> and she's like, I think we're doing just fine. You know, get out of here. And he's like, yeah, well, good. we can take care of the child. We may not have money or food or, or maybe good food. We can give him food, gruel. Uh, but look, We'll give him all kinds of love. Isn't that what matters? Family love. <laughs> and she's like, uh, she gets her little white white uh, wigged guards, and she says, "Bring him to the constable. Say that he started to fight with you. He's causing a ruckus, trespassing on my property. We want to get this guy taken care of." Yeah, and luckily it's raining that day because the the bricks are slippery enough where Drake is able to kind of just shove the guys off him <laughs> pretty easily. But then he doesn't like. I don't understand that he like walks up the the sidewalk or the the walk to the house. He fights mm-hmm. these guys off of him, and then he winds up in the woods. Like what yeah, he route runs does away. he? Yeah, but where did, he he runs up the sidewalk. He doesn't like run into the the property line. That'd be oh, like right. if you ran away from me in my front yard, going towards the street, and you wound up in my backyard. Like that's how how are you gonna do that without these white got white haired guys following you. Find well, they, they were knocked on the ground. He was a fast runner. I, I didn't think okay, too much yeah. about that. <laughs> but then in this moment, he says, you know, enough is enough. It's time for a change. Yeah. And then I he gets the, claw, the claws out to go steal a child. Yeah. And then is it uh, Demelza sees mm-hmm. Drake with Cloence and Jeremy and John Conan. And she's like, wait a minute. Are you serious? Is that John Conan? <laughs> <laughs> you know what could happen to you right now? And Drake's like, I don't care. I like that Demelza's sixth sense immediately kicks in. And she's like, wait a second. That ain't no ordinary child right there. That's that's John Conan. I, that's JC. I know that when I see him. I know Whitworth when I see him. And yeah, yeah, I see him looking lays... at my feet. What? <laughs> well, her, her, his daddy. John Conan's father. Oh, that's true. The, the foot fetish. Um, so... She lays into Drake and she's like, you got to get him out of here before you get into worse trouble. They're going to come for you. You know, not only this child, they're going to get you, boy. You need to get him back if you know what's uh-huh. good for you. And so Drake's like, man, I'm a dumb, I'm a dumb, dumb man. 
and Demelz is like, yes, you are. You are, you are is, very dumb. This is cross-cut with uh, Lady Whitworth going like, where's John Conan? Where's my grandson? And she's Which yelling point, at all the I people. I don't think they'd said his name this episode. And I was struggling to remember what the child's name was until she just repeatedly shouts, John Conan! <laughs> John Conan! <laughs> like he, he's referred to as his first and his middle name all the time. This kid's yep. going to get picked on in school. Absolutely. At least Clowens and Ursula and Valentine don't get called two names. <laughs> they just get called, called Clowens. Um, so, yeah, he does the right thing, returns the child. But the returns the child, like, I want to watch this play out because we just see the little boy walk up to a, the servant. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing happened. The, this toddler the who can keep secrets. <laughs> yeah, far, I guess, you know, suspend my disbelief. It seems like a crazy rigmarole process in which this child is captured and returned and no one sees it. It was just a day trip to the beach, you know? That's all it was. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's probably like 500 feet from the house. Yeah, not, not too far. Especially if he was able to run through the woods beforehand so easily, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, he, he breaks the news to, to Morwenna that he did a thing she'll despise him for. To which Morwenna says, I can never despise you. And he's like, well, wait until you hear this. I stole a child. (laughs) She does seem pretty upset about what happened. Yeah, she does. (laughs) He he sensed correctly that she would not like this. And she tells him, don't even speak to me. And he doesn't. He doesn't speak to her then. He should be like, you you go to see him every day. Like, you could wind up in jail. Or worse, this woman has a big stroke locally. Like, really think you should sneak into the backyard and... Hug this boy. That's but at the same time, also, she, she, he, he stole a child. There's a difference between peeping on a child and stealing a child. So, oh yeah, I mean, he's definitely trying. He's acting with his heart. He's back to being lover boy, Drake, certified yeah. lover boy. It's well reasoned, you know. The he saw her heartbreaking, and she's like, you know what? It was. I, I need to make this right. And she so goes. She, to, yeah. Sneaks back into this mm-hmm. house. I'm I'm calling the Lady Whitworth and saying you got to tighten the perimeter around here. This is just a little bit, especially after that guy was on your premises. <laughs> so she goes and she's having a conversation with with her son John Conan, basically saying, you know, I love you and it's been fun being friends with you and thank you for keeping the secret, but this is the last time I'm going to see you. And as this is happening, Lady Whitworth sees her and starts to pursue in a, in a logical way saying like get this woman off my property I'm going to send her to jail the man can rough up my guard she can't but then Drake intercepts her and he's like this is my fault it'll be over in a second cool down and as Lady Whitworth nears John Conan she hears what Morwenna is saying and kind of softens and we see her turn into a human right because Morwenna tells uh, John Conan that he, she is leaving him with the kindest grandmother, which is a pack of lies, but it's all you can really say in the moment. Uh, and she's saying goodbye to her, her beloved boy. You know, she's really struggling, but bye, child. Yeah. But you know what? Silver lining in all this is Drake and Morwenna, they go back home, which, by the way, very... I know they have a, a nice brick home, or, I mean, stone home. It looks so cold inside there with the stone walls. Oh, Dude. yeah. Well, especially knowing it's so close to Christmas. These people yeah. must be freezing. I was shivering, and there's not many candles, but 
It looks like she's ready to throw down again. She's got her mojo back, maybe. Just maybe a little bit. Maybe. Yeah, she gets right up and she says, you know, I've I've mourned my son. I've been mourning the loss of my son. And today I laid it to rest. And let's make another child. Let's get to it. Let's get down. She, I, I wanted her to say something like, you know, thank you, Drake, for being such a good man to me in this situation. Because you did this with the purest of intentions. And your act of... Uh, wild act of of kidnapping made me realize that i'm not the only one being affected by my you know, my trauma but yeah. instead she she finds another way to thank him right and they don't make it entirely clear that you know they're they're getting down but they're, they're definitely a little bit closer and There's then you hear hands a, a on boing sound coming from drake drake's like eyes pop out like a like a the wolf in the cartoon <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the happiest he's been in a long time, and, that, and that's where we leave them. Uh, so who, who knows? It's Christmas. It's Christmas gifts. Mm-hmm. It's Christmas miracles. Some would say yeah. for, for good old Drake. Um, meanwhile, Sam he's back into his street clothes. Uh, I don't know. He, he's he, back and forth. Yeah, maybe he has, has cr- just has two pairs of clothes. He just changes between the the, the rags and yeah. the preacher man clothes. Yeah, but we we do see that there is the um, the school that Morwenna is teaching at. That's still going strong. Mm-hmm. And there's this whole subplot about them maybe trying to fund to have a, a better tomorrow with the school and stuff like that, and it's tied into the local currency. Yeah. So basically, what's going on is with Wheel Plenty open, all these sort of uh, annoying, moaning, unemployed laborers now have jobs. So there's money flowing through the town. So this active service that this school is is really starting to feel the burden because there's so many kids mm-hmm. and they need a schoolhouse. And on top of that, we, we see a brief scene early in the episode with Pasco talking to Melza that the gold is de- decreasing, that there's there's less of it going around. So there's... oh yeah less value out there so that means there's less coinage for people to work with so you need to come up with an alternative solution here yeah well i guess i mean i think this the the money situation i think is a subplot of its own whereas i sam right, well it ties school, into this yeah directly ties into this because uh-huh. so we see Demelza starting to circulate some paper notes saying that this is representative of the value of a coin you can spend it however you like uh and they're handing people it out people don't believe her yeah, like this is just paper. This isn't actual money. Uh, and Tess is uh, uh, from last. Tess and Jacka. Yeah. This Jacka is like the ultimate ringer d- buffoon character that they've they've roped in. Harry Harry's gone. Tom Harry's gone. Mm-hmm. Now we got Jacka Hoblin or whatever his name is. Rosina's dad. Uh, well, isn't he? Uh, he's not related to Tess, is he? No, no, no. He's he's Rosina's father. He's just a right. guy. He's just a dope who's easily swayed. Right, and and, and she's Tess Trigden. Um, but they concoct a scheme where they're saying, "Well, you know, if this is just paper, who's to say who regulates and stuff? We can make we can mix a lot of fake money." And, and Jack reasons this is a bad idea, and she says, "I don't care. I just want to make some trouble. <laughs> I hate this Demelza character." Yeah. And she, uh, Trenkrum, she references a character that's been in, involved in the show before. We're going to go talk to this dude who can help us counterfeit money. 
Mm-hmm. And they start doing that. And they're one of the things that they're donating to is like we were saying, the school. They're giving money there to help build out the mm-hmm. school and, and make uh, for a better facility for all the kids. But at one There's point... No watermark. Yeah, Demelza says, wait a second. This doesn't look real. This is missing something. This is a forgery. And and, and Sam is baffled. Like, why why would anyone do this to us? We're, we're trying to help the kids. And, and I got some news for you, Sam. It's a cruel world out there. <laughs> it doesn't work yeah, Sam, that you're way. You're a man of God. You know all about sinners, my friend. Yeah. People will take an inch if you give it to them, and they'll make a dollar. They'll make a foot out of it. Um, so, as you said, they notice that there's not a watermark on the piece of paper that would let you know that it's verifiable uh, currency. Mm-hmm. So Demelza lets it be known, like, hey, there's a lot of fake money circulating. I'm not going to name names of who this is, who's responsible for this, but cut it out. <laughs> You're harming everyone. Uh, it's devaluing, you know, the worth of the the notes that people are receiving. Are you talking? Is this, are you talking about her big moment in the the bar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so she she susses out who she thinks it is, and this scene is incredible. This is a this is God tier Demelza in this moment mm-hmm. when she walks into this pub and she's like, "Look, you keep y'all keep complaining about this this money, and you're blaming us. Mm-hmm. We showed you how to use it. We showed you what it is, and you're screwing us." And she's staring right at Tess the whole time. <laughs> And she says, I'm not naming names. And no, Zachy's like, name names, girl. Name names. Uh, Yeah, Yeah, because isn't Jacka or someone who says, like, do you know who's responsible for this? And she's like, oh, I do, but I'm not naming names. No, but Zachy's like hovering. He's like, who did it? Tell Mm -hmm. me who did it. And then she's looking right right at Tess and she's like, you're screwing the local business owners. You're not screwing me. I'm fine. My money's in the bank. You're screwing all your peers and all your friends. And if I catch you doing this again, I'm reporting you. And forgery's a hangable offense. And then she turns around and walks out. She goes, come on, Zachy. Yeah, Zachy. she slings the, the noose over her, her shoulder and then walks out of there. She's a hangwoman. Oh, what a scene. <laughs> what a scene. And Tess, yeah, she, Tess looks like she's seen a ghost. She lays it down, indeed. Uh, but... That that's this week with all the notes and everything. It, it, this really does start to feel like, wh- why does Tess have such an axe to grind with Demelza? What did she ever do to her? She only tried to help her. <laughs> yeah, and not to mention people are working, so it's not even like it's a have versus have nuts. There are job opportunities there and homeless. Yeah, I mean, and Demelza's see, still sponsoring a free school. And we even see earlier in this episode where Tess is trying to say. Oh, I've seen people do this elsewhere where, you know, they hand out these notes, but it isn't worth anything. And then Jack asks her, is that true? No, it, it, they do this elsewhere and it works. <laughs> like, yeah, and, well, oh. and there's also the scene where she's like, well, I can't read the notes. And Demelza's is like, come to my school. I got you. We'll teach you. Learn to read. Yeah. With the children, the little children. Well, she's got like a, it's like a DJ Khaled. like, learn to read. <laughs> I can't read these notes. Learn. You, you got to. Demelza knows what's up. This is a she's holding down the fort. Yeah, absolutely. And she also, if you want to, let's to segue onto the sort of a plot. Mm-hmm. She she insists and makes sure that if 
our boy, you know, Ned and Ross are on their way to London to hopefully get Ned shipped back to Honduras. Mm-hmm. And they say we got to have our reinforcements, we got to have our stabilizers present. So that's Caroline and Dwight. Yep. They Sent because teeth. they know how Ned and Ross are not really a good pair together. They're very Mm-mm. combustible. They're elements. Yep. And yeah, so they ride along with him, and Ned is in rare form now at this point. He's just freely spouting his mouth off about the royalty, you know. Uh huh. This mad, the Mad King. Yeah, he's a Mad King. They're all pro-slavery or whatever. To anyone who listens, and, and people are like, "You need to stop talking, Ned." Ross, you need to rein him in. And Ross is just saying, "Man, I can only do what I can with around him." You know, Ned is Ned. <laughs> Ned's gonna Ned. I'm I'm me. He's Ned. Ross, you're not helping, man. You're not doing great for this guy. Especially if you want to really get him back to Honduras. Yeah. So, we see they're back in... um, They are in London, and there's a new prime Mm. minister. Well, yeah, they're appealing to Henwick about returning him to Honduras. uh, Yeah, Wickham. Prime minister's name. Uh, Yeah, Wickham, rather. And Wickham is just like, the prime minister you're seeking to help you out, he ain't there anymore. Uh, it's, he's been replaced by someone else, so good luck with that. Yeah. Not and to mention now that there's, you know, I, I think even Dwight says it, Ned laid his hands on a member of uh, you know, the parliament. <laughs> yeah. George is walking around in a sling. He's definitely like, like a pro wrestler in the 70s, like walking around in the street selling a fake injury that's not really there just for attention. And we see this from his behind-closed-door scene with um, with Hansen, mm-hmm. that he's walking around with his arm outside without a sling most of the time, but when he's in public, he's he's working the arm. He's, he's, yep. he's selling the injury. Yeah, like a man who's got a lawsuit going on and he wants to make get all the money he can for whoever hit him. Yep. Uh, so... Yeah, Ned is in, in a in a bad situation here of, of having leverage uh-huh. to get out of there. Um, what was it? We, we in, in the interim we see like you were talking about the the injury though. Du- you know, Dwight comes to check in on George, and he's like, "How's he doing?" And Carrie tells him he's doing just fine. And even George like shakes his arm around like clocking like a bird. I'm like, good. I- I'm fine. <laughs> he's flapping his arms like their wings. Uh, and, and Dwight says, I wasn't checking on his arm health. I'm talking about up here in his noggin. And Carrie tells Carrie's him, like, nope. you're done. You're dismissed. <laughs> Which then leads to Dwight asking, I want to write a paper on my research methods. Is that okay? Can I use them as an example? You will not <laughs> mention this ever again. And, and Dwight's even saying, like, even if I don't mention his name, you do not <laughs> write about this at all, bro. Yes, yeah, I will sue you for everything you're worth. Yep. I think he'd be a little more grateful considering he saved his brain. But you know, Uncle carries back to curmudgeonly Uncle. Yeah, I mean, considering there's only four more episodes left in the show for us to watch, do you think Dwight writes that paper? I thought it was going to happen this episode, and, and I like totally slept my mind by the end of the episode that it was even a subplot. Yeah, this is that's the thing with this. Like, I forgot it was there was Christmas by the end of the episode. I think the I writers forgot about too. this thing. 
there's like it, this is moving so fast. We're telling so many things, tying up so many loose ends that. Well, you'd think I like think, things would shut down around Christmas and stuff like that, but no, they, they didn't slow down at all for any of these people. Yeah, they, well, I mean, we don't know how much time is between these things because everyone's just, walking around in the water and stuff like that. So who knows? But that's true. There's no sign. I do think. At all. I think that. I think this will come back. Okay. But they go. We'll uh, Ned and Ross go to see, see this uh, Mer- Mer- Merceron, Mercuron fella, mm-hmm. who is who they talked to before, only for this guy to immediately go and tell, like, heel turn and join Team Hanson. Yeah, they're talking to, to Merceron, like, can you help us out with, with this whole debacle? And he's like, yeah, I don't know, May- maybe I could. And yeah, reveal he's working with Hanson to help make sure that. Slave trade is here to stay, stay, unfortunately. And but he does have the idea. I think that's where they start to ha- hatch with Hanson. Like, dude is freely speaking, you know, negatively about the king. He's mouthing off to anyone who listen. All we gotta do uh-huh. is just maybe catch him out with some treacherous looking papers, and we can lock him, lock him up. Yeah. Well, this this hap- Well, they start the ball rolling on that, and then yeah. we have Ned receives this report about the conditions mm-hmm. and Cecily in her adolescent you know teen you know young 20s however old she's supposed to be jealousy over the fact that you know she's being set up to marry George steals this and gives it to Ross yeah and says you can use this which uh, that scene is so clumsy because we have Ralph Hansen you know Talking about this with Mercer on how, like, oh, man, this is some BS or whatever. And then just out of frame was Cicely the whole time just listening. <laughs> and she picks up those papers <laughs> as soon as they're done with them. Like, uh-huh. maybe keep your clothes, cards a little closer to the vest there, you know? You know? Yeah, especially when you know your daughter is, uh, is, is so against you. You know, when you're such an evil man and your daughter is so free-spirited. Yeah. So... Yes, that we we go to Parliament. We yeah, got George there. The, yeah, the same arguments about how slavery is the worst and everything. But we see that well, Ross George, has George is saying go. that black people are 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 uh, you know genetically able to work and are dumber than white people. You know all this sort of nonsense of the era. It hurts to see George say this stuff. I mean, it was as much as he's a bad yeah, guy. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Elizabeth would have been married to this guy. That's the thing that, right. that that gets me, is that she would have been privy to all this if she hadn't passed away. And you know George doesn't... I, I feel like George in his heart of hearts doesn't believe this stuff. It's just pure business for yeah. him. But then Ross immediately re- responds with this paper. He says, well, I got this report from Honduras that says that these slaves are starving themselves because the work is so treacherous that they they're dying working yeah. they would rather die of starvation than die you know moving mahogany and, mm-hmm. and then he makes doesn't he say a line like is this all worth it for your tables and chairs yeah and we see <laughs> parliament is like slavery is bad who knew all it took was just this one little report uh that ross just had in his back pocket quite literally and, and George is steaming. Now it looks like he's aligned with the bad guys, which is like, dude, you don't need paperwork to show that you're aligned with the bad I understand the time 
and 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 how people looked at things differently back then. But bro, just think about it for a second. You're you're obviously aligned with the bad bad team here. <laughs> uh huh. So we got George says he's sick of being the villain. His reputation is is destroyed. We need to go into full on attack mode. And I I want revenge and I want to ruin them. Yeah. And what's the best way to do it? We already talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Plant some papers on these people. Let them know that they're pro the emancipation of Catholics. Yeah. They made it uh, so it was like punishable by law that if you're caught with this paperwork, that you're in deep doo-doo. Indeed. And so the plan is to have Ned talk to some radicals because he's out. You know, we see more London parties, and it's always the same grounds. Circus where party. They, yeah, they always have They're circus always parties. The fire breathers. Do you think they just had the budget to shoot all those parties in like one or two nights, and they just kept the same stuff going? You think they maybe there's like it's the popular thing of the time. So it'd be like, like going. I don't know what's popular now. What's the gimmick at bars now? Shots. <laughs> Whatever the flavor of the moment is, is like, oh, we're in the circus phase where everyone loves a circus. Yeah, axe throwing. They have axe throwing today or something yeah. like that. <laughs> Shuffleboard, board yeah. games. It's like that. So, yeah, that's they're at the same circus party. And then they're like, well, you got to get out of here. Ned, you're already crossing the line. You got to leave. And even Kitty repeatedly throughout this episode is like, Ned, you need to rein it in, bro. <laughs> they're they're going to come He's like, you. why? Why? Because like, you're 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 gonna cost somebody something. Yeah, you're you're talking like borderline treason here, bro. Um, so he goes so, to a radical bar, <laughs> as as one does, and he, he's talking up, you know, trash about the king. And, and this guy, oh mm-hmm. my god, this is one of the dumbest subplots of this show. Is this guy trying to put this piece of paper in his pocket? Yeah. And he can't quite get it in his pocket. I think it's his friend across the bar, who, or, or sitting across from him, who's trying to get it in the guy's back pocket while the other guy talks to him. Like, has, hasn't distracted, right? Yeah, yeah. Because he can't reach around the table to get into his back pocket with his hand without someone being like, hey, what are you doing with your hand there? Why are you, trying, why are you playing grab ass here, man? What's going on? Ned would be like, I'm fine with it. As long as we're talking about the king, it's all fair. You can keep on grabbing, bro. Um, <laughs> that'd be great. Just like, hey, man, we see you trying to grab Tush there. Hey, man, what's wrong with grabbing Tush? Hey, just, just some Tush. That's what the king's trying to stop you from doing. Uh, so, yeah, we see the papers go in and out, in and out. Uh, eventually, the papers are on the ground by the time the, the authorities show up. Well, they're in his pocket, and then the authorities show up, and they go, okay, we're good. And then he, like, shifts his body. Right, and they fall out back on the floor. Yeah, but then he does... He, he does punch a cop. Right, which just <laughs> makes the whole effort seem kind of, I don't know, trivial. Because it was We're like, not a revolutionary. Do, He's just a no. drunk. So <laughs> You just need to get him fired up. He just gets thrown in the drunk tank, basically. But he's got priors. Well, well I mean, this, the, the, was it, the episode ends with him telling Ross, no, this is going to be something serious, man. They're, they're, they're racking up something real against me. Yeah, well, I mean, they got it. They got him locked up for the assault, but mm-hmm. it's definitely not as serious as treason. They're building but, the case, and thankfully, was it was a Wickham who who warned Ross like, 
But yeah, he shows up there at the end. Like, you know, if he goes down, they're going to pin you with him too, by the way, brother. <laughs> you are going like, hey, down. I might not be an important character here, but I'm going to say important things when I'm around. <laughs> That's all you need to know about me. But we do get Dwight and Caroline saving the day because they see, uh, you know, outside of their, their home where Ross is staying, some man just hanging out. And they're like, yeah, a guy in black. Yeah. This isn't well, the stalker, is though. No. It, it's it's some man they don't know. And they're like, he's up to something. So they go in there, and sure enough, they find these papers wherever the bed was that Ross is sleeping in. And when the authorities come to check around the house, they, they tell the authorities, you need to sign paperwork that you look thoroughly. And you oh, Caroline says that. Yeah, Carol, Caroline Dwight, does. Dwight keeps him busy, and Caroline's like, you need to sign a paper saying that this happened. Mm-hmm. Incredible move from Caroline right there. I'm very impressed by her. Yeah. Yeah, this is and strong. And Dwight Car- even Caroline says, like, episode. I that it was incredible. You did great. And she goes, I know I did great. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing we haven't talked about, I mean, that's that plot line pretty much, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we leave that where it is. I mean, Ned just really keeps talking and talking, man. Like, it is bad news. Just listen to, to Dwight and Caroline. Get a, get him away from there. Oh, yeah. Well, there, I mean, Dwight straight up says there's an incredible scene where mm-hmm. Ross is kind of like, man, but Dwight, you know, Ned's our guy. Like, Ned Ned saved my life. And, and Ned, Dwight just says, Ned dragged you into the hospital. Who saved your life? And it's yeah. like, a, oh, God. That's a moment. He's, he said, who stitched you up, boy? I did. Yeah. Listen I to me. Stop listening to this crazy old man. Yeah. Power couple, those two. Yeah. Speaking of power couples, I think we have one more little loose end to tie up. I mean, they ain't yeah. that powerful. Are they even going to be a couple? Our, uh, you know, neutered new version of Jeffrey Charles. <sighs> Going up to, he he says to Cecily, he says, "I'm gonna ask your father for your hand for her, you know, his blessing to marry you." And she says, "Like, oh no, this ain't gonna go over well, man. It's not gonna work." <laughs> so he goes, and and we see George is in the room, and uh, Ned or not Ned, uh, Ralph Hansen is like, "I've got to go. I got something mm-hmm. important that should be pretty quick," and. Jeffrey Charles is like, hey, um, I'm going to marry her. Is that cool? You cool with it? And, and Han- Hanson calls him an idiot. Yeah. He's like, get out of my house, you idiot. And he, he takes that information and he tells George and Carrie, hey, uh, it turns out someone actually wants to marry uh, my daughter. Your well, son-in-law. George, George has said in the past that he's never going to remarry because he loves Elizabeth. He's never going to yep. finish mourning that loss. And then... Uh, Hanson is like, oh, it's your stepson. And yeah. George is like, I would love to marry your daughter. Yeah, he, he, he takes an about face there because he doesn't want that to happen. Because um, also, you know, they're talking about business deals and stuff like that. And this will help with the relationship. So, got to put it forward. Well, I mean, I think George is definitely acting emotionally here. Like, he's, he's, he's yeah. on the same page as... Mm-hmm. Ralph and then all of a sudden he's like yeah I don't know if I want to marry your daughter why don't we keep this engagement you know like let's not do this let's let's play it cool and it's like oh no Jeffrey Charles I'll marry her tomorrow I would love to marry her tomorrow 
Yeah, I mean, what's the concern? Is that they'll just kind of elope, I guess, if they don't do it right now? I think the concern is he doesn't like Jeffrey Charles. Yeah, I he guess. He wants to stick yeah, it to Jeffrey Charles. It. Maybe that's it, yeah. And then we Man. see that that whole little posse gets poor Jeffrey Charles suspended oh, yeah. or like kicked out of the military for theft and he's like i didn't steal i'm an officer i'm a pole yeah it's just a very quick quick scene there he's like i didn't do anything wrong it's like we don't care get out of here good for him get out of there man you don't need the yeah. military find yourself jeffrey charles you know what's kind of funny to me is that they've kind of combined two Polly shore movies into one storyline for jeffrey charles this year he was in the army now and then he's also the son-in-law and they should have just got Polly wow. Shore, the actor, to play Jeffrey Charles. Should, hey, that, that's where maybe I there'll am. be some Pinocchio storyline involving Jeffrey Charles to get trifecta of Polly. <laughs> Polly Shore, buddy. Sorry, I was just on the mind because two actors from Encino Man won the Oscar this week, so I'm just thinking Polly Shore. This is a great opportunity. Should have been Poldark. Anyways, people he, don't care. He'll be back soon. Yeah. So the plan is still to get Ned eventually to uh, Jamaica because if they can't get them to Honduras, maybe they can get them to Jamaica. After all of this, yeah. Uh, but he's in jail at the moment, and I think that's. Oh, you know what? The, the one last thing: the paperwork, though, uh, that they were trying to plant on um, Ned and Ross was that it was an, an oath of allegiance to the Irish Catholics. Yeah, the emancipation <laughs> of the Irish Catholics to liberate the Irish Catholics. Don't get more evil of an organization than the IRA. Absolutely, even then. Tom Branson, you know? Right. I mean, it's I guess probably wasn't the IRA yet. It was just no, Irish Catholics no. before they uh, mobilized. Um, but, yeah, that that is this week. It, was it a good episode, Dave? It was a busy episode, but it was exciting. Okay. I don't know if I would call it good. Cool things happened, but there, like I said, I... If I don't remember it was Christmas, if I don't remember this thing about an important subplot being laid out with the stu- the paper that is being written, I think you're you, you, too many too many stories going on, too many details. But it wasn't bad. What do you think? Yeah, I think it was fine. Uh, it is a funny thing how they try to drum drum up excitement where they have that cross cutting of Ned in the bar talking to the the imposter, you know, trying to plant the paper on him, and then mixing that up with. Dwight and Caroline watching a man outside their door and it's like oh no what do we do here and it's like this isn't that exciting actually yeah, Ned also does like elbow Ross in the face we yeah forgot about awesome. that yep and then he and says he's a Cornish miner this is nothing to him and Ross is like kind of shook he's like this guy's pushing me he's pushing my buttons that's that's exactly what's going on so. yeah so that's that. That's the episode. That is that, this episode. So we got power rankings. Indeed. Well, who's going down, Dave? Well, number three, I got Ned. Because okay. he dodged a bullet with this paper being placed on his person. Mm-hmm. But he's in jail, and he's a loudmouth, and his reputation is bad. So things are uncertain for Ned, and it doesn't seem like they're going to get better immediately and who's to say we don't know if kitty's pregnant either (laughs) no we don't (laughs) um well number three going down i got tess she tries 
yeah, she tries to enact this whole plan to forge papers, and she immediately gets caught out and threatened with uh, being hung. You know, if uh, if they were to continue, so yeah, she sucker and sucker tash. She she keeps thinking she can pull one over Demelza as if Demelza's some bad human. Like it hasn't dawned on her that Demelza's okay. No. And this week, Demelza just straight up said, "Like, I'm good. You're evil, and I know <laughs> it. So stop stepping to me." So that's why she's my number two. That's fair. Well, number two, I got Drake. This klutz goes and steals a child and thinks he can get away with it. It's never gonna okay. work out for you. <laughs> okay. And he's got to apologize a million times to to Carolina uh, to Mar- Morwenna to make it right. So, not a great week for Drake. Don't go stealing children. Right. People, people. Interesting. <laughs> people, people. What am I saying here? I just keep saying people. Yeah, human people. trafficking was an issue back then too. <laughs> it's not a laughing matter. Well, Dave, who's number <laughs> one for you then? George. Okay. This guy gets his reputation demolished in mm. front of Parliament by yeah. Ross. And all because of this sort of spite and jealousy and this plot going on involving his son-in-law or his stepson and mm-hmm. this guy he doesn't want to do business with. He's clearly compromising his moral compass and code to be in bed with Hanson and it totally blows up in his face. And then he totally fails at getting Ross and Ned locked up for treason. So doesn't ruin or, or get any revenge. Well, I have Ned at number one because the guy's in jail and the cliffhanger of the episode is like, things are about to get worse for Ned. The okay. dude is locked up and they won't let him out. We and got to play a little grab ass and he got to hit Ross. So it's, he didn't have the worst week. <laughs> he didn't get to go, get any grabbing. They were grabbing at him. Cause he, he, he was, he was evading. Drunk. He was ducking. He's wiggling was... his butt too much. <laughs> That's exactly it. The dude was drunk the whole episode, shaking his hips, talking bad about the crown. What do you think is going to happen, bro? You got you got to calm down. You're not going back to Honduras. You're probably going You're to hit the wrong guy. Yep. So that's that. Well, who do you got coming up? Uh, number three, I got a tie. It's the power duo of Caroline and Dwight. Okay. Uh, you know they they save Ross from getting caught out with the the oath of the Irish uh, Catholics being planted on him. Those awful Irish Catholics. Uh, Dwight's got some plans to write some medical research. Uh, they they look like they're happy to be there to, together back in London and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just good good for both of them. All right. Well, I, I got Drake. Okay. Because this boy acts from his heart. He steals a child, Dave. And what happens at the end of the episode? What? How does Drake's episode end? Uh, boing. <laughs> That's what he's been waiting for the whole season. Sometimes you got to put a child in the way to, to make it happen, I guess. And he doesn't hurt the child. We see how easily he returns the child. That's fair. Well... At number two, I got Ralph Hansen. This guy's got things in motion, and they're t- starting to take shape. He's fast-forwarding George, proposing to Cecily. Uh, he, he's got Ned going to jail, and he's working with this Merceron guy, and it seems like they, they're up to something. Mm-hmm. Hard to deny. Yeah. Well, at number two, I got Dwight and Caroline because, whew, they are great in this episode. Between... Yeah. Saving the pamphlet and putting Ross in his place and making Ross realize that maybe maybe Ned is not the guy you need to, to put all your eggs into, that one basket. Like, think about mm-hmm. Kitty. And I think they're getting through to him. And if not, they're just still yeah. pretty okay people. That's fair. 
Well, at number one, I got Demelza. Oh, yeah, easily. Dude, the way she talks down uh, Drake to be like, you got to return that kid. I hope you got the receipt. You got to return that kid immediately. Uh, And then you think she's done talking people down, and she goes, no, no, no. I got one more verbal ass whooping to give to Tess. (laughs) You. You will get hung if you (laughs) don't stop with this forgery stuff. Get out of here. You think I don't got trend crumb under my thumb? I'm Demelza Poldark. I run this town. And, and not to mention, Demelza is also has the whole idea for the the papers to be used as, as currency. You know, to mm-hmm. really get things uh, working there. So, and she's her, a kind person. She's like, look, yeah. I know this is crazy. Don't worry about it. It's gonna level out. Who needs Ross there? She's got everything under control. I feel like Ross. I mean, Demelza's always at her strongest when Ross isn't there to mess things up. Because I think that's really what it is. He's always just in the way. She's logical, and he's emotional yeah which is why they're a good couple ultimately he acts on impulse and she's very calculated and saying don't risk your life doing this or don't spend the entire family fortune doing this and he's like well i'm gonna do it yeah so when she's when he's not around she can be logical without anyone stopping her that's that's totally that's totally accurate dave and we've only been here for five and a half seasons four and a half seasons talking about these characters so yeah makes sense so that's this week in Poldark. Indeed. Dave, have you been watching anything else? Not as much as I would have liked, but I did uh, did finish the show uh, we've been talking about a lot, uh, Perfect Match on Netflix. And I think oh, yeah. we're going to do some Lords of Grantham tomfoolery with that on Patreon next week. So, mm-hmm. you know be on the lookout for that but that was it was a satisfying finale i suppose interesting it's a finale it's definitely that (laughs) yeah i mean it's the kind of train wreck of a netflix avengers reality show yeah Uh, that's really all i got to watch this week unfortunately i missed a lot of oscar movies i think you caught a lot of them i i caught all 10 of them i was force feeding myself by the end of it (laughs) even if i wasn't enjoying it i was like i gotta watch all these some of them i mean i know i've been curious about tar for a long time but that's a long runtime. I, I i tar is far and away my favorite movie of the bunch it's also a movie i would not heartily recommend because it's not fun <laughs> per se until uh-huh. like it starts to click in but even then it may not click in uh it, i only recommend movies that i think people have a good time with that one you have to be ready to take something very crunchy and sit with and think about <laughs> and try and understand okay. where they're coming from. Yeah, every, I think maybe every two or three years I'll watch a movie like that. Yeah. I'll watch a, a Spotlight or something like along those lines. And sit. This is okay. crunchier than Spotlight, yeah. This oh, is like okay. a text. Um, but, the yeah, I, I watched All the Quiet on the Western Front. I did not like that one bit. I watched Women Talking. They, they definitely talked in that one. Uh but I was most surprised by Elvis. I, I enjoyed Elvis a lot. <laughs> you enjoyed uh, Elvis a lot. I did. I liked it a lot. I gave it so on my my letterbox. A, a three star is like my lowest like level. You can you should watch this. That's that's how mm-hmm. I, I assess my grades. Uh, I gave it three stars because Tom Hanks is supernaturally terrible in the movie. It's it's insane. It, it, like he, he he talks with this like he's goldfinger like the water boy or he, he's he's talking about snow throughout the movie because it's like this old carny phrase i'm, I'm the snowman and i make the snow and then elvis is always just talking to him like 
yeah, that would be a lot of snow, man. I like, I like snow, too. And, and, and that is, like, half the dialogue in the movie, except for, like, the comeback special where he starts talking about Santa Claus. He's like, you got to sing a song about Santa. you got to do this. And he's like, I ain't singing about no Santa. Okay. <laughs> Colonel Parker. Wow, you've, this is right up your wheelhouse. They have weird oh my voices. God. I mean, I was just talking to myself as Elvis would while watching the whole thing. It's two hours and like, 40 I mean, minutes also. That's what also. happened to Austin Butler. He's still talking like Elvis. <laughs> it's, it's hard to shake, man. But, like... Yeah, and there's one scene where he gets in the fight with his father, uh, Elvis, and he's like, Daddy, they ain't going to take Grayson away from us. I bought that from Mommy. Daddy, you ain't going to do this. Uh, it's, it's, it's fun. Well, did, your, did your mom watch Elvis? I know she was a big Oh, yeah, she, 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 did not, she did not like how much Colonel Park was in the movie. And there's a stunning lack of Elvis music in the movie. Or like it's just short clips. Whereas like you know you have these jukebox movies from like you know El- Elton John or Queen where they really highlight the songs and what made them popular. Here I mm-hmm. feel like they underserve that to which people watching it may think, what was so great about Elvis? What were all the songs? It's like there's so many songs from Elvis that could have been featured, mm-hmm. and instead you have Eminem rapping during the movie. And uh, Eminem, That's the Bob guy Lerman who said, <laughs> yeah, the guy who dissed Elvis on a track. Like, come on, man. <laughs> but it, it it has gumption, so I really like that. All right. Uh, I, I laughed a lot. <laughs> That's not a great sign for a movie of that caliber, but he. But he is great, though. Austin Butler. He is very. He's very, very good. As do you think Elvis. he should have got the Oscar? Well, you haven't seen the whale. I didn't see the. I didn't see the whale, but I think he was wholly deserving for it. Absolutely. Okay. Well, they ha- I feel like the Oscars were just like a whole like. This was a. Uh, uh, this was not, obviously everything everywhere all at once is better than like a movie like Crash, but it seems like a, mm. a token victory. This like. This is no. us showing our. I want to say that because the people who love it really love it. I've, I really like that movie too. Like I, I, I get it. Because um, the one thing that was missing from all ten of these movies, aside from Everything Everywhere, was that it had a bit of warmth to it. It was very heartwarming in terms of like uh-huh. going for the feels, uh, and I think it succeeded at landing uh, there. Whereas some of these either were just hollow or I don't know. Oh, what did you think of Fablemans? I liked that. I liked it a lot. It was it was very shapeless a little bit. It felt more just like entries from Spielberg's diaries. Um, but there's a lot of engaging sequences during it. So I, I did like that one. Um, the most dis- distracting thing about the movie is Seth Rogen. The fact that he casts Seth Rogen as the guy who his mother is in love with, <laughs> even though she he's not her husband. And it's just like, this is the guy? This is who you... Seth? You, yeah, Seth Rogen. Spielberg picked Rogen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, it was it was good. It's very. I think it's more interesting in terms of informing the movies he would go on to make. I think it, it's very. It, I think it's very worthwhile in terms. Of, if you're a Spielberg fan, it's, it's very good in terms. Yeah, of that's definitely the one that I want to watch the most. I think you'd like that one for sure. But Elvis, <laughs> if you're on a flight, Elvis is like the perfect in-flight movie because again, it'll last the length of the flight, and you get a lot of Elvis just talking to Colonel Parker all the time. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I could sit down with that one. Oh, it's so, Maybe if I was it's drinking so or something like that. There was like a scene, a sequence where he's like, "Robert Kennedy got shot." I, I got to sing about this. I got to say something <laughs> about Bobby Kennedy. <laughs> like, sure, Elvis. All right. sing about Bob, Elvis. Robert Kennedy. Um, yeah. So there, there's that. All right. Well, let's hit him with the plugs. We've been talking Oscars for <laughs> longer than yeah. we normally talk about these things. You know where to find us, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Hit us at lordsgrantham at gmail.com. Leave us five-star rating or review if you so choose on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Uh, and 
we have a Patreon with bonus con- content coming. We're always, and we have our ongoing uh, Downton Abbey uh, lounge and uh, Lords of Grantham lounge. F- forgive me. Uh, but I think that's all this week on the Lords of Grantham podcast. Yeah. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Yeah.